Welcome back, guys. It's Mountain Meditations. Uh, this is Chris Cole and Tristan. Today, what are we going to be talking about, Tristan? Uh, we're going to be going over best-selling author Jordan Peterson. Jordan uh, Peterson. We actually, this is in our first podcast about Jordan Peterson. An attempt was made earlier. An attempt was made. Yeah, it, it was not very good, though, so we didn't post it. Now we're going to try this again. It was actually extremely bad. <laughs> yeah. I think I know what the what the problem was, though. It's that Jordan Peterson causes so many topics to be brought up that we ended up going into those topics more than we actually talked about Jordan Peterson. So... It was... Yeah, the point... <laughs> we, need, we needed that. Yeah, so the point is, now we're going to stay more focused. So, yeah. why is he popular? Um, one reason off the top of my head that I can think of is that he talks about fixing your own life instead of, like, critiquing, trying to change the world. I think that's a sort of, that's a that's a different uh, viewpoint than you hear most of the time because from what I see from social media at least, which I don't know if that's a good example of anything, but I feel like it is a reflection of our society as a whole. Uh, at least in American society, it's very common to criticize the world and say, you know, hey, this isn't right, you know, which which isn't a bad thing because you want to call people out when they do wrong things. But I, I think it's rare that people actually think introspectively and, you know, look at themselves and say, hey, I can fix this in myself. And I think if a lot of people did that, um, you know, the world and Jordan Peterson thinks that, you know, the world would be a better place if we could all clean our room, you know, for example. Clean your room. And uh, when we talk about things like that, how uh, one of the, the rules it is book to life 12 rules for life an antidote to chaos is set your house in perfect order before you go about criticizing the world yeah. if i'm not mistaken mm -hmm. and uh that goes into something that i have he's a very individualist optimistic person yeah and chris and i have had a lot of uh, uh debates discussions on the merits of talent and skill mm -hmm. and we we kind of agree on some facets of it and disagree on others, mostly on like how much talent or just, yeah, just like natural talent rather than hard work influences uh, how far you can go in certain things like being a bodybuilder or being a great melee player mm -hmm. or being intelligent, being successful. Yeah. And Jordan argues those can kind of takes those points at a very easy for people, very easy level for people to see. Mm -hmm. For example, uh, if you want to be an IFBB, professional bodybuilder, there's going to be two things you need. The first is steroids, and the second is a great genetic composition. Mm -hmm. Despite what some people may make may say, your muscular insertions and the way that you look, your height and your frame, they play a huge role in professional bodybuilding. Right. Now, anybody can get a good physique, anybody can get stronger, anybody can get bigger, anybody can get more healthy through working out in the gym. But not everybody can reach the levels of musculature and get body fat so low that they can compete uh, on the IFBB pro page mm -hmm. or pro stage. And a lot of people hate that. I'll, there's You'll see a lot of uh, fake natural bodybuilders, fake natural YouTubers who I'll tell you, it's like, don't listen to them, bro. You, we, you can make it too. I'm a natural bodybuilder and they're clearly not natural. Everybody can make it. Just work hard, do your cardio and eat right. Buy my supplements <laughs> and that'll make you uh that'll make you IFBB material. And Jordan doesn't say something as ridiculous as that, 
But he kind of takes it at that point, how hard work could really get you where you want to go. And one of the biggest things he's talk, he talks about is fixing your life, you know, yeah. fix your life, uh, get out of this, get out of your crappy situation, mm-hmm. make more money, get out of this job that you hate. And all of those things, he is right. It's not on the same level as being a professional bodybuilder. Anybody can do that. Anybody can work hard and fix their situation if it's crappy enough, barring some serious disabilities. And that's a really easy, marketable decision that anybody can that anybody can side with. Nobody wants to be told that they can't do something because of a genetic lottery. Nobody who wants to be a bodybuilder is, who wants to be a bodybuilder just want to be told, look, buddy, your bicep insertions are just super high and your legs are just so short and your arms are so long in comparison. This genetic thing, it's, you're just not going to be able to be a pro. Nobody wants to be told that. And Jordan isn't going to tell anybody that because he has a much more reasonable facet of like, look, maybe you're not the smartest person. Maybe you're not the strongest person. Maybe you're not the most interesting person. But anybody, if they work hard enough, can be smarter, stronger, more interesting, and you can get out of this crappy hole that you've dug yourself into. I, I actually think I disagree. And here's where I disagree is the the part where you said that, you know, everybody wants to hear what Jordan Peterson is saying. And yes, he has critics. And I think this is what the, I think I just realized that, that this is the main point of why pe- some people dislike Jordan Peterson is the fact that they don't want to hear that they can change their life. So, yeah, so you sit around and you're like, hey, I hate everything. I just hate where I am right now. And it's like, well, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? People don't want to hear that because they say, well, I can't because of X, Y, and Z. Well, you know, you can. It's just you don't want to change anything. And so I think that's where people sort of, you know, other complaints I've heard about him, um, one being that he says things that are very obvious. That's what... um, Anthony Fantano actually said this, the internet's busiest music nerd. He said that he says things that are just sort of redundant. You know, it's like, well, everyone knows that they should clean their room, you know, things like that. I think that's why part of why he's popular is because he takes very simple ideas, very simple topics, and he's able to explain the deeper meaning to it. So you think you he teaches you to sort of think about things in a more intelligent way. So he gives reason to why you are doing things. For example, if, you know, taking the whole clean your room thing, you're doing it for more than just, Oh, now I've made my bed because for me all throughout my childhood, I was never told why we do things. You know, it was like you wake up, you brush your teeth, you know, you take a shower, you, you make up your bed stuff like that. And it's like, keep your room clean. It's like, well, why? You know, I'm fine with it the way that it is. Like, this is the way I like it. I'm five years old. (laughs) Exactly. I'm just a child. And so he, he tells us why we're supposed to do these things. And yeah, it can sound redundant. You know, I get that. And I can understand that. I can understand why people would say that. But there's also, you know, we're, we're sort of learning from this. And so not only that, he, he sort of bridges the, the gap between sides a lot of the time. I, th- I think that's why people are sometimes confused when they hear him talk because he'll, he'll take a more center, like, a, a, like he'll go towards the center sometimes on a topic. He's, so, a, he's a radical centrist. Yeah. <laughs> so instead <laughs> of like 
uh, you know, most things we think of are in black and white. So I, I like to compare this to music because I, I think, you know, I, I think about music a lot in the way that we digest music. So what, what do we do in the modern era of listening to music? Well, we use sorting systems. So we have Spotify. There, you know, it, it gives us songs that we like, you know, genres. You know, it has an algorithm for figuring out what you would enjoy. So music, we put them into playlists. We skip, you know, when you first click on a song, you skip to the, you know, you're at the beginning, then you go to the middle, and then you go, you know, somewhere in between, and then you go to the next song. And if you didn't like that, you know, next song, next song. And it just keeps going. Why do we do this? Well, it's because we have so much music to go through. So I think we compare that to real life. Our brains have to sort through and essentially speed read through life in order to get through as much information as we can because our brains have to process so much. So I think this is why Peterson is a good thing for our brains and the way that we view life because he teaches us to stop speed reading. He says, hey, you know, uh, yes, there is a gender wage gap, but it exists for more than just uh, the reason that there is a tyrannical patriarchy. It also exists because of the choices that women make and the way they act in the workplace that influences, you know, all of that. And it goes deep down that, um, you know, it, and he just keeps going with that. And so that's why I think he's different to a lot of people because what we're used to getting is, you know, what we've talked about before with Steven Crowder, you know, he'll, he'll say something just like hate speech doesn't exist. You know, it's just like, boom, there it is. Like he, he just says, and then you go to Peterson and Peterson says, well, yes, things, you know, a wage gap does exist, but for these reasons, and we can understand things better that way. And some people are really confused by that because they'll say, you know, well, so what are you, what side are you on? You know, it's like you have to be on a side in order for people to put you into a category. And I think that's why he bothers a lot of people is because they can't categorize him. And it's, it's not even that he isn't on a side. He's on a very neutral, relatable side. Jordan Peterson, if anything else, is very against authoritarianism yes. and tyranny. One of the earliest things that he got famous for was he uh, spoke out against a bill called Bill C-16, which criminalized the misuse of gender pronouns when referring to transgender individuals mm -hmm. so if they wanted to have some made-up nickname of a pronoun z zim or zer and he didn't want to use that that could potentially be criminalized and jordan peterson was characterized as a bigot transphobe horrible person alt-right neo-nazi racist sexist bigot homophobe mm -hmm. as those as people who uh, are rational and reasonable often are for some reason. Now, Jordan Peterson's argument had pretty much nothing to do with transgender people or gender dynamics. Uh, his argument boiled down to uh, a very simple an analysis of like what the government should be able to do. Should the government be able to convict you for somebody not liking what words you use? And that should be an immediate no from everybody. Yeah. Jordan Peterson, uh, he never explicitly stated that he would just be unwilling to use a person's pronouns if they were polite and asked in such an, in a reasonable way. He just said that, look, when you allow the government to do something like this, when you allow the government to 
uh, force to compulse speech. Compulse speech is what he was up against. When you allow the government to compulse speech, you're giving the government too much power. And that's how, that's a fast road to, authorita- to authoritarianism mm-hmm. and tyranny. And people pretty much completely dodged that, his whole <laughs> argument, and just called him a bad person. Mm-hmm. And that is one of the biggest reasons that I think he is the most misrepresented man, one of the most misrep- misrepresented men alive. I think Joe Rogan uh, talked about this. No matter what Jordan Peterson says, people seem to just completely make stuff up about what he says. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you probably remember the Kathy Newman lecture. Oh, yeah. I, I call what Jordan Peterson did there a lecture because it certainly wasn't an interview because Kathy Newman was just <laughs> making stuff up. And it definitely wasn't a debate because that would imply Kathy Newman had a chance of winning. <laughs> so Jordan Peterson lectured Kathy Newman. And the whole time, her main thing was just to make stuff up. Yeah. Whenever he said something, she would just radically change what he said. So what you're saying is, all people are lobsters. <laughs> we live under the ocean in rocks. Women are second-class citizens, and men are inherently superior. And Jordan would usually go, no, that's not even remotely what I was saying. And he'd try mm-hmm. to gently lead her back on to the path of what they were actually talking about. And yeah. Kathy would, would immediately fling herself back off. Mm-hmm. And it shows uh, how people really deal with Jordan. Uh, it's a serious dichotomy from people who like try to look into what he's saying and discern what he means from it. Uh, I, I I wasn't told why I should clean my room or make my bed when I was growing up. And when I asked why, I was <laughs> my mom usually just said because I told you so. Yeah, and that made me really upset. And it was just like it's just the wrong way you want to go about things. And mm-hmm. Jordan Peterson. He goes into, he went into, he's like, okay, you should clean your room because your room is kind of a representation of like the way you're living right now. If your room is messy and you can't keep it orderly, you're not going to be able to fix your life. Are you yeah. in a job that you hate? Like I remember um, I was in a job that I didn't like. I was working at a Chinese place and I would just like dropped out of school and I didn't know what I was doing. And I just kind of, I, I listened into Jordan. He's just like, look. You have all these things that you need to do because I had a lot of stuff that I needed to do and work on and fix. Mm-hmm. I needed to finish my education and repair relationships with people. I had a lot I needed to do. It's like, look, if you can't even keep your room clean, do you really think you're going to be able to get back into college? And when you get back in college, if you can't keep your room clean, do you really think you're going to be able to complete a degree of higher education? Yeah. It's not like, it's not like I'm taking the easiest major, mm-hmm. computer science is typically not noted for being easy. I wouldn't say it's super hard, but it is. there's a lot to it. And then you have people like Kathy Newman or people that I see on Twitter who just completely sidestep what Jordan is saying and they just seek to attack his character. And when you see those character attacks, it's really easy to root for him. It's really easy to like the underdog right. who's just not being taken seriously. Mm-hmm. People see that, they just go... Well, this guy's being nice and polite and displaying his points in an articulate and concise way. And this person is just completely misrepresenting their point. Yeah. And it's it's really easy in that sense to say, maybe this guy has something. Maybe this guy knows, knows what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. Because it, clearly they don't like what he's saying. And they will absolutely not address it. Yeah. And, you know, because he talks about being true to yourself. And I like that a lot because I'm always like throughout my life, I don't know why, but I guess it's just the way I am. I've tried my best to 
be as honest as I can always. Um, and I, I like that he says, I think one of his chapters is something like, uh, always tell the truth or at least don't lie. Uh, I think that's what it's called. But because um, he, he went through a phase in his life, he said, when he was literally just repeating what everyone else said. And I get that because like, I think when you're when you're an uneducated individual, I, I'm just gonna say that because I, you know, I was definitely uneducated. I still feel uneducated in a lot of different topics, and sometimes, yeah. So sometimes I feel like the the tendency is to latch on to someone that you admire and to repeat what they said, and then like use that as your own ideas. And what Jordan has said, or Dr. Peterson, whatever. I, I don't know if I'm familiar enough with him to call him Jordan. Um, what he said is that we should stay true to ourselves. Say what, say your own ideas, you know. Think for yourself and then say what you actually believe, you know. And that goes back to categorizing yourself because sometimes we find someone, you know, you find someone like Ben Shapiro. You find someone like Steven Crowder and you listen to them and you're like, yeah, I, I like these guys. I agree with them on a lot of things. And then maybe you listen to what they say about, you know, abortion. You listen to what they say about hate speech. And, you know, you're like, well, you know, I, I'm kind of muddy on that. And, but you know what? I'm, I'm going to go with that because that sounds really good and that's an argument I can have. And you just take what they say and you repeat right. it. That's not being honest. And I think we all fall, can fall into that at some point in our lives you know, I do it a lot where, where you just start repeating things that you, you know, you don't even know why you're saying it. So like coming back to the root of your own ideas, figure out why you're saying things, you know, be true and honest to yourself. Uh, that's what, that's personally, I think what I like about him. And I think a lot of people like that too, is because being honest is a really, you know, difficult thing to do especially intellectually honest with yourself. Admitting that you're not the smartest person in the world, you can definitely learn more, and you, you, know, you don't know everything, basically. Being honest with myself is literally something that I've struggled with more than almost anything else my, anything else my entire life. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not easy. Yeah, it's not at all. So I wanted to bring up my favorite chapter from the book. Uh, it was chapter 11, Don't Bother Children When They're Skateboarding. Um, so this is my favorite because it links to another topic that I want to talk about is a, the reason I think Jordan Peterson is so popular. One of the reasons, obviously we've listed a lot here already. Um, think about young men right now, which is his, his main audience is, right. you know, young men. First of all, we can't forget YouTube. YouTube has been a huge, uh, additive to his fame. Uh, basically, the reason he's out there right now is because people found his lectures online. You know, they started listening. They were like, "Wow, this you know this guy really knows what he's talking about," and he sort of went viral in a way. Yeah, that the internet obviously has made him more famous. But I think a big reason is the it's a generational thing. So right now, people like us, people our age, um, I guess we would classify ourselves as millennials. I know there's like a I'm not sure if I'm a millennial or not. I, I sort I, of, I have no idea. Yeah, I sort of like fall on the line, I think. Um, but I, I don't believe there's any unified definition. No, and that's what frustrates me. But um, so millennials, like our parents were of a generation that were, I, you know, most of them were neglected a lot by their father figures. So their dads were working. I know I was. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> their dads were working extremely hard 
you know, every single day. So this is our parents that I'm talking about. So our parents' parents were working very hard every day. And the kid, their kids were basically expected to be adults from a very young age. So, you know, you have to fend for yourself. Um, you had to learn how to be a man, essentially, from a very young age. And so they, these kids grew up, you know, our parents, they grew up and they want to give their own kids more attention and love. So, you know, because a lot of times you find that parents will want to give their children what they didn't have when they were young because, you know, that was what because was they, missing Because they care. Life. Yeah, they love you. They care. They want to give you everything. And so part of they everything... They want you to be happy. <laughs> and it's right. working so terribly. <laughs> and, you have to hate your kids a little bit for them to be okay. <laughs> exactly. No, that, that's actually part of this because... Um, so this chapter, the reason it's about skateboarding, he talks about the children that he would see on his way to work that were skateboarding. A lot of times they wouldn't be wearing helmets. You know, they, they're doing like insane tricks all over the park. And so a problem that arose is that eventually they started making barriers so that the kids could not skateboard on those certain areas of the park to like limit right. them because it was deemed as unsafe. And so he was talking about the, you know, the grand scheme of everything I've been saying so far comes together in that he was talking about uh, kids have been coddled so much from our generation that everything was deemed unsafe. We we're sort of sheltered. I know I personally was, and you know I love my parents. They were just trying to do the best for me. But what ended up happening is, you know, danger is taking. That's a element that was taken out completely from my life. I was never in danger at all. And what happens is you don't, because bravery is a skill. You you don't learn bravery. You don't learn how to get out of your comfort zone. And he actually talks about that the the best way for like he says that a part of your brain actually grows and like activates when you try a new activity. And he said that that comes from bravery itself. So if you don't learn bravery from a very young age, you know, doing things that are somewhat dangerous. How can you take on the world when you're an adult? How can you expect to be brave? How can you expect to ask for a raise? How can you expect to like go to a job interview? You know, I I had the hardest time. Like this is so sad, but I have a hard time ordering food. <laughs> oh, come, Chris, come on! <laughs> no, I'm serious. Like walking up to a subway employee and saying, can I get white bread? <laughs> that is hard for me. And there's a reason for that is because I, I wasn't put into danger as a child and I don't, I don't know bravery. I'm, I'm somewhat weak. And so I think that's why we, we're drawn to Jordan Peterson or me specifically, I guess this is more personal is because he, teaches us that we need to be brave in order to excel you know we need to put ourselves in danger because these your own decisions affect your life you know you need to take responsibility i i i have something i could talk about too when i was growing up i was in a rural part of south carolina very rural i grew up on a farm and my mother is a very busy woman she ran her own business uh after my dad passed so she ran her own business as a widow mm -hmm. so i actually had uh, an almost disproportionate amount of freedom when I was growing up because when I was out at the farm, I was out at the farm. There wasn't 
an internet connection mm -hmm. for the longest time. And the internet connection that we eventually got was so slow that I just never even used the computer. Yeah. The only link that I really had to the outside world was the TV. Mm -hmm. And TV gets boring. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of commercials. So I was, I was afraid of certain things that other children were never afraid of. And I was absolutely fearless of other things that maybe I should have been. I remember uh, from almost the time that I could remember, my dad was taking me hunting and fishing. When I was seven years old, I skinned a deer. I took it all apart. I took the skin off. I took the meat out. I threw the guts in the pond with my dad. He, uh, well, not with my dad. He would. He had passed away at the time. But I took the guts apart. I believe it was with my uncle Johnny or uncle Borja. And you know, we killed and butchered a deer, mm -hmm. and that was almost nothing to me. Nowadays, uh, things dying. It really doesn't have that much of an impact on me. And that's that could be a couple of things. It could be the fact that my father passed away so early mm -hmm. uh, with his, with his brother-in-law, who was around me a lot and a good friend of mine, passing not too long after. Mm -hmm. And then my grandfather, who kind of stepped in as a substitute father figure, also passed away when I was in high school. Wow. So, yeah. And then, all at the same time, I was just murdering fish and animals <laughs> <laughs> for food. So... It's just death and things dying, things ending. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't like have that much of an effect on me. And I remember when I left Boone for the first time, I had zero problems leaving my friends behind because it, honestly, at the risk of sounding extremely melodramatic and like kind of a pussy, <laughs> I had all I had lost enough to the point where losing more just didn't feel like that much of a problem. Mm -hmm. And when I actually got back a few months in, I just realized that I was in my room and the lights were off and nothing was happening. And I hadn't talked to anybody in, I think, a few months. And I, I realized I left all my friends behind. And that's why I always feel so shitty. Yeah. And so compared to other kids, I had zero problems with animals. I've always loved animals. Dogs, cats, cockroaches. I remember uh, a bat flew into one of my elementary school classes and I thought it was the coolest thing. I wanted to pick it up and pet the bat and it would be... <laughs> It, like bats maybe are it could, so like, cute <laughs> it could like perch on my finger and i could get it like <laughs> kind of like a falcon and all the other kids were just terrified and i was like guys it's just a bat it's chill but social situations are simply a mystery to me mm -hmm. i grew up me and my brothers almost entirely in isolation from common society other than going to school which i did not enjoy yeah me either i didn't really have contact with other people I stayed out of the farm. Forests and birds and animals, snakes. It was all it was all just old news to me. Mm -hmm. Alligators. I, I thought alligators were just cool. And other people were afraid of them. And honestly, Jordan made me realize how important it was to like have social skills and to be polite. Because mm -hmm. I never went to Cotillion. Yeah. I'm glad I never went to Cotillion. I did. It I, was did rough. I never learned <laughs> I never learned how to be polite. But enough about me. I don't like talking about myself too much. Jordan Peterson, he's also not really endemically very liberal or very conservative. He doesn't talk about tax codes. He doesn't talk about gun laws. <laughs> he doesn't talk about social programs. And I think that's to his benefit. Yeah. He's not alienating the more liberal, open-minded people. Mm -hmm. And he's not alienating uh, more staunchly federally conservative or fiscally conservative people. Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard him give an opinion on what he thinks a good tax rate should be or 
should citizens be able to be armed? Mm -hmm. I've never heard that. And I don't need to, because I know that uh, one of the biggest reasons that I really love the Second Amendment is to fight against tyranny. And I know that Jordan Peterson doesn't like tyranny. Yeah. So in doing that, he makes himself just so available to people. Mm -hmm. uh, he, he's so... <laughs> He's so milk toast in a way. <laughs> he's so milk toast in a way, and that he's just, but he's so blunt and he's very, he's a very principled person. Yeah. He, I remember I saw a, a talk show with him and people were really grilling him on the C16 stuff. Mm -hmm. And Jordan Peterson, he was just like a rock. He didn't give anything. He's just like, no, I'm not going to do it. And you can't make me do it. Mm -hmm. You can, I remember he said, you can issue me a fine. I won't pay it. You can send me to jail. I'll go on a hunger strike. <laughs> and I believe he would do those things. I, think I so really too. do. Yeah. <laughs> we were going to talk about the uh, test that you took. I want to hear about this because right. I'm, I'm curious. The understandmyself.com, the big five aspect scale. So for the record, uh, this is something that Jordan Peterson himself did not make. It was, I believe, jo some of Jordan Peterson's grad students. Oh, okay. And, uh, and but he but he often recommends it. Mm -hmm. So I know I I. What was it I listened to? I, I listened to the Jocko Willink podcast, mm -hmm. which I also recommend. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about uh, the big five aspect scale. There is agree there is agreeableness with factors like compassion and politeness. There's conscientiousness with factors like industriousness and orderliness. Mm -hmm. There's extroversion factors including enthusiasm and assertiveness, neuroticism, uh, withdrawal and volatility, and openness to experience, referring to openness and intellect. He talks These are personal. He, Go ahead. He talks about openness a lot, and and like he talks about um, one of my favorite things that he talks about is women and that they're more agreeable. He, you know, when he talks about agreeableness, I really enjoy hearing about that because he'll like he talks about how men are in general less agreeable and women in general are more agreeable, which is why we have such a hard time. Like for example, um, I think it's probably an evolutionary thing where it's like women are dealing with you know, uh, children, for example, you need to be sweet and you need to be understanding. And, you know, a lot of time, men, times men are bad at that <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, it, and, but what that can do is like less agreeableness can, can sometimes mean an, an aggressiveness that can get you further in uh, business um, and can make you a better leader. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I just wanted to bring that because I like when he talks about that. So going into openness, that's the one I'll start with, actually. Okay. Uh, you mentioned all these nice things about openness, which really shows a lot, because I am in the 27th percentile of openness. That means with 100 people, I am less open than 72 of them. <laughs> I am low openness. So what he starts with is he says, you are moderately low in openness to experience, which is the primary dimension in creativity. Uh, openness to experience is a measure of interest in novelty, art, literature, abstract thinking, philosophy, mm. as well as sensitivity to aesthetics, emotions, and beauty. Uh, Chris, how open to aesthetic emotions would you say that I am? Gosh, yeah. That, I think that's a very accurate number. What, what, was, what was that thing you always said with me and ones and zeros? Yeah, I, I always said that Tristan like thinks and speaks in ones and zeros because it, it's like a you're speaking to a, a machine basically a lot of times. And, you know, obviously Tristan has emotions. That's a, just a joke. So, yeah, I, yeah, ones and zeros. That's Tristan. 
So a couple things that I picked out here, they do not typically engage in prolonged abstract thinking and seldom consider philosophical issues. I am on record saying when I was growing up that philosophy is only for people who have never had to work for a living. <laughs> and I still kind of consider that you sound like true. Scrooge. <laughs> like that actual actual Scrooge from, character. <laughs> that's so funny. I was a uh, I was the lead in A Christmas Carol in fourth grade. I was Scrooge. Yeah, I no, that fits. I can see that. <laughs> and that, that quote is from Futurama. I don't rip bits. That's what a robot said. He's like, philosophy is just for people that, ha- that never had to work for a living. Was that robot's name, Tristan? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I like to think so. <laughs> so here's, here's one of the traits uh, to openness. Intellect, very low. <laughs> I'm in the 11th percentile of intellect of 100 people. 88 of them are higher in intellect than me. Can we clarify this? Because it sounds like they're calling you so, stupid. I think they are, but they kind of walk it back. <laughs> Which, okay, fair. <laughs> no, do not confuse the personality aspect of intellect with IQ. Intellect is a measure of interest in abstract ideas. Which, I guess... I mean, I like art, but I just don't... I don't value it in the same way that people do. I... I value it. I do. My godfather, who's my one of my best friends, is a professional artist. He actually makes and sells art for a living. I value art, but mm-hmm. just probably not when it refers to my life in the same way that most people do. I don't really credit art for much. Um, okay. Yeah. I know it makes me sound Anyways, super pretentious. moving just, on. <laughs> What's next? Openness. Typical or average. So I'm pretty averagely open to new stuff. The closest cinnamon synonym for openness is creativity. So on a creative level, I'm about average. Okay. Uh, let's see. Neuroticism. Typical or average? I'm about typical levels of neuroticism. Hmm. People with typical or average levels of neuroticism have a balanced view of the happiness and the sadness of the p- past, present, and future. And believe me, my past is very sad. Chris will tell you. <laughs> so, wait, they... You have a balance. Uh, wait, explain that one again, because I'm I'm kind of slow. Uh, people with typical or average levels of neuroticism have a balanced view of the happiness okay. and sadness okay. of the I past, present, and future. I get it. So I you're not I'm like very. Yeah, yeah. So you're not like I'm oh, a very the world balanced sucks. person emotionally. Okay, my emotions go deep down inside where they belong. <laughs> um, <laughs> levels of withdrawal high. I'm in the 83rd percentile. <laughs> yeah. Um, you just talked about that a little while ago. <laughs> individuals hide withdrawal, feel above average levels of anticipatory anxiety. This makes it much more challenging for them to approach new, uncertain, unexpected, threatening, or complex situations. Like ordering at uh, Subway. Yeah, I think they're just calling me a bitch. Um, <laughs> I'd be right there so with all you. Of Jordan's, so all of Jordan's grad students, you can fucking see me in this. <laughs> all of Jordan's, yeah, they just... Honestly, I just got kind of roasted. Yeah, it sounds like they were just like, let's just hit this kid with everything. (laughs) Here's one that I like. Volatility. Mm. Moderately low. Individuals moderately low in volatility tend not to vary much in their mood. I've got that young self-control. Oh, that's good. They're not particularly irritable, feel lower levels of disappointment, frustration, pain, and social isolation. I don't feel social isolation because that is my normal state. (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) Orderliness moderately high which i was pretty surprised about because i'm not a very clean person i'm trying but i'm not very clean you are moderately high in orderliness which is one aspect of conscientiousness uh your score puts you the 66th percentile 
moderately orderly people can be somewhat disturbed, even mm. disgusted by mess and chaos. Mm. They would rather keep everything tidy and organized. Mm-hmm. I would rather keep everything tidy and organized, but goddamn, I am so lazy. No. I just don't do I it. I get that. I think we're similar there because I, I've always told my dad this. <laughs> like, I'm... I. I'm bothered by mess, but I'm a messy person. Like I, I uh, walk around and I see the mess and it influences <laughs> me and it hurts me, but I do nothing about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and let's talk about one of the big ones. Let's just stick to the big five. Conscientiousness. Low. You are low in conscientiousness, which is the primary dimension of dutiful achievement. That makes sense because I was supposed to do a lot of things today and I didn't do any of them. <laughs> Because I woke up at 11.30 and went to the gym at 2. Wait. <laughs> and now I'm here. So they tell, they they just basically said that you don't do anything? Like, I don't get that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, again, they just fucking roasted me. People low in conscientiousness do not regard duty as particularly important. And they don't like to slog away at their tasks. That's very accurate. I really just don't like... I'm pretty lazy. Oh, okay. They only work hard if pushed generally by outside forces that actually goes into the podcast i wouldn't do this shit if chris didn't do it <laughs> if i'm not there yelling at him yeah. and constantly texting highly, him <laughs> they are highly likely to procrastinate that's not true i'm actually 100 likely to procrastinate um <laughs> industriousness exceptionally low i'm the third percentile of industriousness wow People who are exceptionally low in industriousness are extremely unlikely to be successful in school. Dang. That's that's true. And in administrative and managerial positions, oh, that's true. Dang. If they are highly intelligent, which they made sure I'm not, <laughs> they will almost certainly be, be regarded as underachievers. I've never been regarded as an underachiever. Nobody expects anything from me. Where's that one that I thought was really funny? It was like compassion or something. Compassion. Extre- exceptionally low. I am in the zeroth percentile <laughs> of compassion. If you have a room of 100 people, there is nobody less compassionate than me. You're not even Exception- in the room. <laughs> yeah. You're sitting alone in the other room. <laughs> which is very normal for me, sitting alone in my room. You are exceptionally low in compassion, which is one aspect of agreeableness. Chris, how agreeable do you think I am? <laughs> I... Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's just the way that I know. I kind of like it though because, like, I'd say I'm more. I'm definitely more agreeable than you. And sometimes, I'm, I'm oh, not yeah, the you're most. A lot more than me. I'm not the most agreeable person, but I'm not as bad as Tristan in that. Like, when when someone will bring something up that like he disagrees with, a lot of times I just let it go because I literally I'm, I'm like, ah, oh, I don't want to get into this right now. Yeah. Tristan my, will my like go-to. yell at people and just like say, no, it's not true. No, that's wrong. No, here are the fact he'll like bring out a whole he'll bring up a PowerPoint presentation of why they're wrong. And it's so I frustrating. Keep, I keep like, that well, MF flash drive on me. Can we not do this right now? <laughs> like when it gets when it gets really bad, I just result to just loudly denying things and then accusing them of stuff. No. No, you. No, you're lazy. <laughs> So compassion, exceptionally low, exceptionally less compassionate people are not at all oriented towards the problems of other people or other living things. One thing, I don't care about people. I love animals. And that's not a joke at all. They are not, I'm a veterinary technician. Give me a break. They are not swayed or emotionally engaged by helplessness or cuteness. Oh. 
You should see me with a pug. They are will. They are very willing, even happy, to make other people experience negative emotion wow. by engaging in conflict and competition. Ask about my Yoshi. Wait a minute. Can I get this straight? So basically, you're stupid. You you can't do anything, and you also love making people sad. I've never heard a more accurate description in my life. This test just. Took you through the watch. <laughs> yeah, that was actually something Jordan Peterson said. I was listening to one of his podcasts with Jocko Willink, and this was the thing that made me want to take it. He's like, you will not like this test. It's not, because like, it's not astrology. It's not going to give you some vague nonsense that's kind of nice that you that anybody can, can apply to themselves. Mm-hmm. It's going to kind of shit on you, and then you're going to understand more about yourself. Agree. You mentioned that women are higher in agreeableness. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not. I'm in the fourth percentile. Agreeableness, very low. Nice. Uh, People with very low levels of agreeableness are seen by others as markedly competitive, colder, tougher, and very much less empathetic. Do you think I'm an empathetic person, Chris? No. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Politeness, (laughs) politeness, moderately low. People who are moderately low in politeness are not particularly deferential to authority, nor are they markedly obedient. They can be respectful, but only to people who clearly observe it. Let's see. And what was the last big five one? Extraversion. Mm. What do you think this is, Chris? Mm, Do you think I'm an extrovert? A man who sits alone in his room. Mm, I think that's going to be... Wait, can I guess the number? I think that's going to be... Yeah, yeah. I think it's going to be nine. It's 34. I'm in the 34th percentile of extrovert. Okay. So I'm only... I'm only moderately low in extroversion. All right, you flipped it on me. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. People with moderately low levels of extroversion are not particularly enthusiastic, talkative, or assertive in social situations. Chris? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think we'd both... I I think I'd be lower than you. I think we'd... we'd, We're both down there. (laughs) So, if you want to get roasted, it's like astrology, (laughs) except astrology just shits down your fucking mouth. (laughs) So... Chris, yeah. would you like to give your overview of the validity of that test? Um, is there anything that stuck out to you? I, all in all, I'd say it's a good test. I really want to take it right now. Um, so let me give you... I actually, I think the results are pretty accurate. I hated the way the test is formulated because I didn't know how to answer a lot of the questions, and I felt like a lot of the questions just repeated themselves. Oh, okay. And it, it's one of those tests where it's like, a, do you agree? Do you strongly agree? Oh, do you somewhat yeah. disagree? Do yeah. you strong? And I hate those kinds of tests. And it's, it just, it seems to me to lack some very important context because it's like, how do you feel about other people's emotions? Okay, which people? Is like, is it my mom? Yeah, I care. Is it Randall on the street? I could not give a shit. <laughs> I saw a person crying on the street the other day. I got upset at them. I was like, really? This is what you're doing? You're an adult. Because I, I, I don't know why they're crying. Maybe they did something bad. And maybe they deserve it. I, is that is that out of the quit? Okay, I'm going to stop Let's that Let's end. Let's end before, on that. Before, so my last, my last little spiel about the test. Okay. Is the test worth it? Sure. Is it worth the $9.95 that it costs you? No. Oh, it's okay. It's nine ninety five for like a fifth. Uh, I think it's a hundred question test. It takes like it takes like five minutes, and yeah, I just not really getting anything that I didn't already know. Mm-hmm. But I, it is reliably accurate, and I always have that thing. It's like, do I really care about this? It's like, do I really somewhat disagree? 
Yeah. I really somewhat agree because mm-hmm. I can think of times where I've agreed with something like that and I've disagreed with something like that. So if you can get a discount on the test, I'd say it might be a fun little thing to have them shit on you for a couple of hours. <laughs> but that's it. Uh, not yep. really worth nine ninety five, but okay. fairly accurate. Yeah. All right. That's the Mountain Meditations podcast. Why Jordan is Jordan Peterson, Peterson popular? Yeah. Uh, thanks so much for listening. Uh, I'm Tristan, and I'm signing off. Bye-bye, everybody. I'm Chris. I'll see you guys next time. Bye.